The scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 143. If you have your Bibles, if you just take your Bible, open it right in the middle, you'll probably be in the Psalms, and then just find 143, and that's where we'll be this morning. The psalmist writes, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me, in your righteousness Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your spirit lead me on level ground. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies. This is the word of the Lord. And like I mentioned this morning, we're going to be in the Psalms uh, all this month and also on Sunday nights, and uh, hopefully we'll enjoy our time there and learn a lot. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about our trip this week as we begin this morning in the sermon. Um, You know, some of you may know 14 of us went to a youth conference in Tocoa, Georgia this week from Wednesday through Saturday. So we we arrived back in town yesterday afternoon, and uh, it was a great conference. Uh, Like I said, it was in Tocoa, which is about three hours from here. Uh, it was a challenging conference in our, as far as our relationship the Lord's concerned. We learned a lot. We had a lot of fun. And we brought everybody back in one piece, which is, which is always a good thing, right? However, we did have a little slight hiccup on the way up there. Uh, Wednesday, we were driving out. Uh, I was driving the blue church van. Connie Lee was driving the white church van. And uh, we were going, you know, about two hours or so away from Augusta. So we were about 30 minutes or so away from Tacoa from our destination and we're riding down the road, and next thing I know, the white van pulls over to the side of the, the highway. And so we circled back to go back and see what was happening. You know, honestly, I was thinking, well, one of these youth probably, you know, got car sick. And uh, <laughs> everybody's going to be piling out in just a minute. So we, we turned back around, we went and parked behind them, and I walked by the van. I noticed the back tire had just completely blown off. I mean, pretty much. This huge gaping hole in, in the back tire. So the tire was flat. And so, uh, thankfully, there was a little driveway there just off the highway. So we were able to pull the car, pull the van over into the driveway. And so we got out of the van, and we started going through the van trying to figure out what we need to change the tire. You know, so we're trying to find the jack and the lug wrench and figuring out where the spare tire is. There's no telling how old it is and, uh, or if it's ever been used before. But we're trying to figure all that out. And as we're trying to gather all our tools together, a guy pulls up and asks if, if we could use some help. Well, initially I'm thinking, yeah, we're good. <laughs> we don't need any help. We can do this. But then after thinking about it a little bit more, I thought, 
Actually, we probably could use some help. So if you wouldn't mind helping us out, it'd be great. And, uh, you know, so the guy got out and helped us out. So we're getting all the things together. Thankfully, he had a jack that was better than ours. And, you know, we couldn't get our jack. wasn't tall enough to lift the van off the ground. And so he had a bigger jack. And so he got the van off the ground. And then, you know, it was a, he was a great help. And uh, it, it became apparent that, in fact, we needed help. Because uh, there was this trick to get the spare tire off of the van that I was unaware of. There's a secret hole in the back of the bumper. It's secret. It's covered. And no one knows it. It's, it's like a mystery. And so you unplug the hole and then you take this long rod that you piece together and you put it through the hole and then you crank down the spare tire. I'm thinking, who did this? What kind of contraption is this? I'm looking for the owner's manual. It's not in the van. And so we don't know. So, But Jesse's like, oh, you... Here's how you do it. And he goes back there and he pops the thing off. There's a hole there. And I'm thinking, we would have never figured this out. We would have been here forever. We'd have had the whole youth conference on the side of this highway. Um, because we would have never figured this thing out. And so it became very apparent that we needed the help. Uh, it was beyond our control. And God blessed us with this guy named Jesse who pulled over and, uh, and helped us out. And we were on the road in no time. didn't take too long to do it all. So, uh, and the spare tire held up. And so it was funny, we were putting the spare tire on this little sticker on the spare tire, and we we're like, what, what's that sticker for? And he said, I think that's the manufacturer's sticker. As in, it's never been used since the van was purchased. Who knows how old that thing was. So I was thinking, Lord, please, uh, hopefully this spare tire will hold up. And it did. So thank the Lord for that. But I wonder, you know, have you ever been in a situation kind of like that where, uh, you know, you just couldn't get yourself out of it? I mean, you needed some help. To get out of the situation. Uh, for example, you know, let's say you have a plumbing problem at your house that is beyond your skill set. You know, who do you call? Well, you call a plumber. Or if you have a car issue, your car breaks down, you call the mechanic. But what happens when life breaks down? You know, with the plumbing and the car and relationships and the kids and the parents and even those who may be uh, trying to do you harm, all these things come piling upon you and all these things combine and put you in a pl- place where life just feels broken and it's beyond your control. I mean, there's nothing else you can do to fix the situation. You know, what do you do in that situation? Well, David has penned a prayer to guide us in that type of situation and that prayer is found in Psalm one forty three, And so what I want to do this morning as we walk through this psalm is I want to show you five movements that David makes in his prayer that I believe will be, will be very instructive for us as we call on God, as we face these types of circumstances as well. The first move David makes is that he goes to God. Look at verse 1. David prays, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give, my, give ear to my pleas, for mercy. So the first thing David does is he goes to God and he's seeking mercy. And you know, when you seek mercy from someone, what you're doing is you are, you are seeking help from someone that doesn't owe you anything. That's what mercy is. You don't deserve it, but you're still seeking help from that person, even though they don't owe you. In fact, the person actually would be executing justice by not helping you. So David knows this, 
And so he goes to God, and he goes to God clinging to the character of God. Look at the rest of verse 1. He says, in your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness. Now listen to this. David is seeking help not because he deserves it, but because he knows that God is a merciful and faithful God. And that he cares for his people and he's concerned with what is good and right. So this is important to note as we go to the Lord in prayer and we find ourselves in this situation. David is not basing his prayer on his goodness, but on the goodness of God. He goes to God with no sense of entitlement, but with humility. Look at verse 2. David prays, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. You see, David recognizes that God doesn't answer our prayers because He owes us something. Or because we're just so good. He acknowledges that, if, in fact, if God were to give him what he deserves, then his prayer for help would go unanswered. He recognizes this. No one is righteous before you. No one living is righteous before you. And, and as I was reading this passage here, I noticed that there, there are two common errors that we fall into when we go to the Lord in prayer. The first one, the first error is to think that God owes us something. It's... It's to believe that we're actually entitled to a certain lifestyle or a certain lifespan. And so what we do is when, when life doesn't go our way, we tend to get angry with God. And our, our prayers are more characterized by complaining than they are with seeking the mercy of God. And the second error is to think that God would never help us because we're not good enough. So on the one hand, we think we're entitled but on the other hand, we think that we're so bad and we haven't done good enough that God would never help us out. You know, have you ever felt that way where you're so conscious of your sin and your inadequacy that you think, well, I just deserve all the bad things that have happened to me. So God, he, you know, he just, he's not going to help me. He wouldn't help me because I deserve all of these things that are going on in my life. So on one hand, yes, that's true. God doesn't owe you anything. But God is merciful and the Bible tells us that He is willing to be our help in our time of need. And so we don't deserve it. That's true. But this is what makes uh, the fact that God, that God wants to help us, this is what makes it so amazing. It's because God wants to help His people even though we don't deserve it. And so the first movement David makes is he goes to God in prayer. And the second move he makes is that he points out the problem in his life. Look at verses 3 and 4. David prays, For my enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me, and my heart within me is appalled. So as David's praying this, he has a specific enemy in mind. He knows who he's talking about. But he leaves it general so that you and I can identify with this prayer. So we can kind of fill in the blank, right? Because your enemy may be different than David's enemy, but we can all relate. We've all felt that type of pressure. We've all been in that type of situation. But David, he knew his enemy and he knew that his enemy wanted to take him out. Now he doesn't tell us how his enemy is doing this, but all we know is that his enemy is seeking to crush him. 
And he's telling God that he is feeling the pressure and that he doesn't know how long he can hold on. I mean, can you relate to that? Can you, can you relate to what David's feeling here? I mean, is there something even now for you in your life that is just really putting a squeeze on you? you know, you're feeling a lot of pressure, seeking to crush you, to steal your joy. feels beyond your control. Well, that's how David felt. And so what he does, he goes to God and then he points out the problem. And the third move he, he makes is he shares his struggle with the Lord. Look at verses 5 through 8. So David says, he prays to God. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. What I want you to notice here is I want you to notice the path that David had to walk in order to voice this prayer. And that's what he's he's sharing his struggle with the Lord. This is the path he had to walk to get to a place where he voiced this prayer. The path began with conflict, right? The enemy. Something entered his life and produced conflict for him. The path began with his enemy seeking to crush him. And this led his heart to become faint. And his spirit, you know, feeling like it's going to fail within him. And maybe you all can relate to that. I know I can relate to that. And this prompted him, now watch the path that he's walking down. This produced his mind to go and remember the works of the Lord. So he remembers what God has done in history. But I believe he's also remembering what God has done in his own life. So he begins to reflect on what God has done throughout history for his people and even in his own life. And what this leads him to do is stretch out his hands to the Lord. This, you know, this stretching out your hands to the Lord is a posture of prayer. It's like if we were to say he got on his knees and bowed his head. That's the kind of posture of prayer we think of. But that's what he's saying. It prompted him then to stretch out his hands to the Lord. And so it prompted him to pray. And so here's my question for you all. Is that when, when you feel crushed, when you feel the pressure of life coming in on you, it's beyond your control, what does your path look like? When the pressure builds, you know, what does your path look like? You know, from, for some of us, when we feel crushed, we don't go to God. But we go to some other pathway of help. You know, whether it's worrying or anger or some addiction, or there's some maybe some other path that you frequent that we go to help. So when the pressure becomes great, life seems to be out of control, and you can't do anything to fix it. There's a path that we tend to take. And David's saying the path that he's taken is to remember the Lord, His works in His life, and that prompts him to pray to God. And so where do you go uh, when the pressure's on? David went to the Lord, and he asked the Lord to answer him quickly. He said, I'm ready for an answer now. In the morning, you know, just 
as the, I'm going to go to sleep tonight, and in the morning I hope that I have an answer. You know, he wants God to answer him quickly. And then the fourth move he makes in his prayer is that he asks for deliverance. And he actually prays two things in verses 8 through 10. First, he prays that God would deliver him from his enemies. Look at the latter part of verse 8 into verse 9. He says, Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. So he wants to be delivered from his enemies. He wants God to to provide help and protection for him. He recognizes that he cannot get himself out of the mud by himself, that God needs to help him out of it. And this made me think of a time, I was probably, I don't know how old I was, maybe five or six years old, and I went with my grandparents to Lick Fork Lake. Say that real fast, you know, five times. Does anyone know, has anyone been to Lick Fork Lake? Okay, it's not too far from here. And you're like, I've never heard of it. But it's actually, you know, right up there, you know, on the way to Clark's Hill. So, Lick Fork Lake. It's actually a pond. Uh, I don't know why they call it a lake. <laughs> it's like Lake Almond. You know, it's a, really a pond. Uh, or Lake Almstead. It's a pond. It's a big pond. But anyway, uh, Lick Fork Lake. It's a really neat place. It has some great little trails and things. Uh, and I would go up there often with my grandparents. And this time we were going up camping. But what was unique about this time is the lake was drained. And so there was no water in the lake. So now, if you were a child and the lake was drained, what would you want to do? Walk out into the lake bed, right? That's what I wanted to do. And so that's what we did. You want to go explore, check it out. And so we would go out there, we were walking around, uh, and then, but we got a little close to the middle and... Uh, <laughs> It got a little muddy. And I began to sink into the mud. And my first thought is, this is quicksand. You know, that's what you think. I'm in quicksand. But I sink into the mud. If you've ever been in a very muddy place, you know how hard it is to get out of the mud. Especially if you're a five or six year old kid. And so I was stuck in the mud. I could not get out. And that's frightening. Like, looking back now, it's no big deal. But in the moment, I mean, you know, it really did look like a lake. And you're in this big area, you're sinking in the mud, and I'm really just freaking out. Well, I was with my cousin Chris, who's about, you know, almost 10 years older than me. And so thankfully Chris and some others were able to come over and pull me out of the mud. You know, I was in that situation where I just, I needed some help. There's no way I could get out of that mud hole. And maybe you guys uh, can relate. Maybe you've been there before. You've been at a place where, you know, you've exhausted all your options and there is nothing left for you to do to deliver yourself. I know I've been there, and maybe you've been there as well. So, so what should you do if you find yourself in that place? Well, I hope what you'll do is you'll, you'll remember Psalm 143. And you'll pray, and you'll ask God to help you get out of the mud. And this is what David's doing. He wants deliverance. He wants to get out of this situation. And, uh, and we need to ask our Heavenly Father to help us, not because we deserve it, Right? Not because we deserve it, but because he is a merciful God. And notice that David doesn't just ask to be delivered, which he does. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can ask to be delivered. Get out of this mud hole. But he also asks for the second thing, which is direction. So he asks for deliverance, and he asks for direction. You know, it wouldn't be very helpful if my cousin Chris would have picked me up out of the mud hole and then plop me down in a deeper mud hole. 
<laughs> Thankfully, he didn't do that. Maybe you have cousins that would have done that to you, but <laughs> he didn't do that to me. It wouldn't have been very helpful to pick me up out of the mud hole, put me in another mud hole. And so David says, not only do I want to get out of the mud hole, I want to avoid other mud holes. So I want deliverance, and Lord, I need direction so I don't fall into another mud hole. Look at verse 10. David prays, he says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. You see, David wants to be delivered, but he also wants to be put on the right track with the Lord. Because here's the deal. This isn't always the case. But sometimes we get into these situations because we are in sin, right? Sometimes we get into these mud holes because we're not following the Lord's will. And we're doing, our, we're doing life our own way. And we find ourselves in the thick of it. But we can still, even if we find ourselves in that situation, we can cry out to the Lord for help. Because remember, our prayer to the Lord for help is not based on our goodness. It's based on His goodness. And so we can ask for help, but we also need to ask for guidance and direction. Lord, help me to do Your will. Help me to follow Your ways so that I can avoid those mud holes that we tend to fall into when we do life our own way. And so notice that David prays for deliverance and direction. He wants to get out of the mud hole, but he wants to also navigate around uh, the other mud holes of life. And then lastly, he makes this fifth move in his prayer. He ends his prayer by glorying in the glory of God. Now the word glory can be used as a noun or a verb. You know, the noun uh, form of glory refers to fame or renown or uh, great beauty. And so when we talk about the glory of the Lord, we talk about His his fame, His greatness. But the verb form of of to to glory is to take pleasure in, to take delight in. And so when I say David ends his prayer by glorying in the glory of the Lord, what I'm saying is that David takes pleasure when, when God receives honor and glory. Like... David enjoys seeing God receive honor and glory. He glories in the glory of the Lord. And so listen to verses 11 and 12. And listen to how he ends his prayer. He says, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love you will cut off my enemies And you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. So what we see is David, not only does he want to be delivered, which he absolutely does. (laughs) Just like if you found yourself in a situation like this, you want deliverance. I want deliverance. You know, I'm praying through things in my life even now that are beyond my control, but I'm wanting the Lord to answer And maybe you have prayer requests like that. So yes, I want God to deliver. But what is characteristic of David is that he's not only asking for deliverance and guidance, but he is very concerned with God's reputation. And he wants to see 
what happens in his life to be for the glory of God, for his namesake, God's namesake, not David's namesake, but God's namesake. And so he prays for your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. You see, David was a servant of God and his life, just just think about this, his life was a way for the watching world to learn something about God. Do you see that? David's life was a window into who God is. And so he's God's servant. And so he wants the watching world, as as they're looking at David, he's wanting them to learn something about God. Well, in in the same way, we are servants of God. I mean, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, you are a child of God. And now your life is a window into the person of God. And so as you go out, and as people look at you and interact with you and hear about what's going on with you, this is an opportunity for them to see something of God. And so as we pray, yes, we should pray for deliverance. There's nothing wrong with that. Pray for deliverance, but pray for direction because we want to follow the Lord's will because we know the watching world needs to know the Lord. And so we want to be concerned not so much with our situation as we, as we are with God's reputation. And I believe this is what's governing His prayer. So we should want God to deliver us. Nothing wrong with that. But we want Him to do so for His name's sake. You know, it's like when we pray even today. When we, we end our prayers, one thing that we often say is, in Jesus' name we pray. Right? In Jesus' name we pray. In other words, we're saying, I am praying this prayer as if Jesus Himself would pray. Right? We're, we're praying in such a way that glorifies the Lord. I mean, that's what we want. We want God to act in a way that shows the world who He is. That's how Jesus would pray. And so when we say, in Jesus' name, it's like what David's saying, for your name's sake. And so we should not only be concerned with our situation, but also with God's reputation. So what do you do? What do you do when life breaks down? You find yourself stuck in the mud. You can't get out on your own. Life seems to be out of your control. What do you do? Well, David shows us what he did. And that is, you go to God, you point out your problem, you share your struggle. You ask for deliverance and direction. And you glory in the glory of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the Psalms. Thank you uh, for the honesty, transparency, and the theology that we see in these prayers. Lord, thank you that David penned these uh, and others as well uh, for our benefit and for your glory. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who is struggling. Uh, Life is is really uh, putting the pressure on. There are enemies uh, out to get us and situations that are difficult. God, I pray that the path that we would take would be the one that David took. And that is that we would go to you. That we'd be honest with the problems that we have. That we'd share our struggle with you. And our path would take us to a place where we're praying out, calling out to you, praying to you, asking you to bring about deliverance and direction in our lives. And believing that you'll do that, not because we're good or we earn it or deserve it, but because you are good. And Lord, help us to glory in your glory. 
Help us to do it all for Your name's sake. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.